Masechet Baba Kama Daf Lamed. A new Mishnah that is some ways in, is similar to the previous Mishnah. Hashofech Maim Bereshut Tarabim Buzak Benachel Hayab Beniska. If I pour water in the middle of the street and someone comes and it is damaged by it, I am liable. Uh, the previous Mishnah was about if I have a jar and I drop it and the water goes all over the place and causes damage. So this one seems like it's even more direct, more purposeful uh, that I'm pouring it there. Um, so I'm assuming this is my water. I am responsible for it. I am responsible for liability. If I have a, a thorn or piece of glass and I want to get rid of it, and so I hide it out and into someone else's wall, uh, maybe it's like a mud wall, and I just stick it in there, and um, uh, or that's one case. Or if I build a fence with out of uh, with thorns, it's a, th- a thorn fence, and then someone uh, walking by. Uh, and on the outside part of it in the street um, gets stuck on a thorn and gets uh, uh, injured by it. Or if I have my fence, my uh, wall, and it falls down into the street and then someone trips or gets injured by one of the bricks that fell into the street. In all these cases, someone else that gets injured, I am liable for in all these cases. This is my dangerous item that I left in a place that it could uh, cause damage to someone. I should have put it in a, a better place that would would surely not cause damage to anyone. And my wall, I'm also responsible to make sure that I have a good solid wall that's not going to fall on people. Okay. Rav says, as he said in the previous Mishnah, that when when do we say, I am liable for the water that I spilt? That's only if some clothing uh, fell in the water and maybe it's a very delicate uh, silk cloth or something and just by getting wet it gets ruined. There, I am responsible because it was directly damaged by the water. However, if someone simply slips on the water and bangs his head on the on the ground, that is not directly my problem. That's the ground's problem. So this is karka olam. This is the ground of the world. So go blame the creator of the ground of the world. Um, that's I didn't. I yes, true that my water caused him to may have caused him to slip. But the actual um, damage happened when he hit the ground, and so it's the ground's fault, and I am not. I am not. It's not directly my responsibility. I am not liable. So Ravuna asks Rav, why should I be not liable? And uh, for if it hits the ground, shouldn't it be at least the same case as my filth? Let's say I had some muddy garbage and I put it into the street, and someone slips on it, I am responsible, right? Especially if it's mine, and uh, especially if I keep ownership of, o- over it, and uh, it has to be a case where I keep ownership over over it. Um, otherwise, you see here, Dav talks about uh, clothing, and clothing as a vessel. Um, if it's a board that I don't want, then uh, that, that then I would not be liable for damage to a vessel. Um, so here we're talking about something that I keep ownership uh, over, and therefore it has caused is damaged like a shard, where vessels are. I am. I'm responsible for vessels. Okay. In any case, um, if if I own the mud and it caused someone to slip and fall on the ground, I would be responsible. So it should be the same thing here, where there's a water, a puddle of water that I caused, that I put there, and that caused someone to slip. Um, on on the water and hit the ground. So even if it's just indirectly, uh, not the damage is not from the water itself directly, but from the impact with the ground. Still, I should be responsible. And so we answer. Oh, did you think when the water is still there? You're right. If the water is there intact, there's actual puddle there. Then that's an actual thing that's mine that caused you even indirectly to slip, I would be responsible. But here we're talking about a case where the water got absorbed into the earth and created mud. So if I actually put a whole mound of mud, I would be responsible. But if I just put the water, so I'm responsible only for the water, but not for the mud, because that's, the mud is, is made from a combination of the earth that was already there and the water. Therefore, what made what the person slipped on is the mud, which is a combination of the earth that was already there and the water. 
And so I, that's not my mud. You can't call it my mud. It's only the water part of it that is mine. And so therefore the indirect damage caused by the slipping on the mud is not my problem. Only the direct damage of the wetness of the mud, the water that is still there, if uh, by something gets wet because of the moisture that's in that mixed into that mud that i am all responsible for because that water still does belong to me now we ask why do i need two different mishnayot to teach me basically the same halacha that if i cause water to be spilled in the public domain and someone is damaged by it, then I am responsible. The answer is The Gemara, interestingly, does not go into how it got there because of my jug that I dropped or because I poured it. Um, that's not the difference between them. But rather, I need two of them to teach me that I am liable both in the summer and in the winter. Uh, what's the difference? Well, in the winter, I'm allowed to put uh, uh, garbage and waste into the street because it rains all the time and the rain is going to wash it away anyway. In the summer it does not rain so anything that I put into the street is going to remain there and I'm responsible. So I'm, I'm more responsible in the summer than I am in the winter. So I might have thought if I put it there in the winter season uh, then I would not be responsible and that's why I need both Mishnah to teach me that I'm responsible in the summer and in the winter. And we know this is true from the following Beraita, the Tanya. Kol elu shamru potkin bi botehen vigorfin me'arot uh, the Braita says that whenever the rabbis say you are allowed to open your gutters or flush out the uh, stale water from caves and you can pour it into the into the street that is, uh, if, if you do that in the summertime, you do not have permission, right? Because the summer, it's just going to stay there for the, for the rest of the summer, this garbage and smelly stuff and bad water that you put there. Um, however, in the wintertime, you have permission to do that. Now, even though you have permission, it's not against the law, it's not against halakha to uh, put your waste in the street in the winter, Nevertheless, you still are responsible uh, that um, uh, even though you put it uh, responsible, if someone is damaged, gets damaged by it, you do have to pay. So yes, you can do it, but it is at your own risk. So you see here that both in the winter and the summer, one is liable for uh, water, waste, uh, something that one puts in Reshut HaRabim. Next part of the Mishnah, Masniya et HaKotz, if I take a thorn and a piece of glass and I stick it in someone's wall, and it causes damage, I'm responsible. Repeating here what, what we quoted, the Yochanan is saying also on the previous stuff, that when am I liable? Only if it's sticking out a lot, uh, all the way, way into the Shut But if it's restricted, I put thorns, but I, I put them uh, close in so that it's still on my side of the border, it's not sticking out into the Shut then that's okay, I'm not responsible for that. My uh, why am I not liable? After all, I did put things that are sticking into where people walk. And the answer is because um, it's not the way of people to walk uh, to rub against the walls. In other words, uh, when you walk in the public domain, you leave some space between yourself and the fence. Um, right? You leave a few inches between your body and the fence. Um, and uh, therefore, uh, if a person comes along and he is really rubbing along the fence as he's walking along and then gets stuck by a thorn, that he is doing something unusual. That's his problem, um, not mine. Uh, whereas if it's sticking a lot into the uh, into the actual Rashut Tarabim, where people normally walk, then I am responsible. Interesting case of I come and I put some thorns or some pieces of shards of glass into your your wall. And then you come and you knock down the, your wall and uh, everything falls into the Shutarabim. Now someone else comes and gets damaged by the the uh, sharp items, the, the glass that I put into the wall. So on the one hand, it's my glass because I put it, I put the glass into the wall. On the other hand, I put it in a relatively safe place and you came and moved it, pushed it down into the Shutarabim. So there's, um, both of us have a reason to be responsible. But the Baraita says that 
Uh, it's my glass. I put it there. I am responsible. Uh, I should have, it seems, have known that eventually it might fall out or the these walls are like, you know, mud walls that would have to be rebuilt every so often. Um, and so I should have known that eventually it's going to fall out or come down. And so I didn't put it away really very carefully. So that's the bottom line that I should have put it in a better, more permanent place, like dug it up underneath the ground or something. So Rabbi Yochanan says, since that's the reason, uh, this is only true that the owner of the glass is responsible if it's a sta- unstable wall. I see a rickety wall. I see it's going to either uh, fall down or the owner is going to knock it down to rebuild it sometime soon. And therefore, I should have known better than to put a dangerous item into the wall. But if it's a healthy wall, that I say, oh, it's a nice healthy wall. This is going to be around for a long time. So then I, I acted responsibly by putting the glass into the wall. And therefore, it's the um, wall owner's responsibility that they they broke the wall. So they put they put this dangerous item in uh, in the middle of the street. Um, so we just have to look at, you know, who's acting the most irresponsibly. If it's a healthy wall, then it was within my normal right to stick it into to hide this glass and I was not going to cause a damage. But if it's an unhealthy wall, then I should have known better and I should not have put the glass there. Uh, let's say I have a pit in the middle of the street. I dig a pit. Now I see a bucket over there. It's your bucket. I know it's your bucket. And I take your bucket and I cover my pit with it. And then you come and say, hey, that's my bucket. And you take your pit and therefore and thereby uncover the pit. Who's responsible? I am. I'm the owner of the pit. Why? Because I should have known that you're going to come along. You're going to want your bucket back. I don't know. You left it over here for a few minutes. I'm like, okay, I'll take this bucket. I'll use it to cover my pit. So I'm leaving it safe. But I should have known this is your bucket and you're going to come and take it soon. So I should not, I should have used something better that would be more permanent. Um, And so even though you are the immediate cause of the pit being dangerous, I am the underlying cause and should have anticipated the immediate cause and therefore the owner of the pit is liable. This is the same case. Uh, the equivalence is um, it's, I, I put the pot shard there. Now even though the immediate cause of the of the glass shard um, being put into uh, the Shutarabim is you because it's your wall that you knocked down, nevertheless I should have known that you're going to knock down your wall soon because it's an unhealthy, unstable wall or it would just fall by itself. So I should have known that and therefore not put the a uh, piece of glass in the, in there in the first place. So here in both cases, even though I'm not the immediate cause, I am the underlying cause, and I should have anticipated the immediate cause, and therefore I'm liable. So we ask, Pishita, Ravina, why do you have to tell us that? That's so obvious. All right, just took us 10 minutes to figure it out, but they think it's obvious. The reason I need both is because I might have thought in the case of thorns uh, or the or the piece of glass the owner of the wall doesn't know who put it in right? all day long there's people walking by they don't have cameras to see who put put it in there so there's no way he can go and tell the owner of the glass um, that uh, he should go and take care of it and so therefore the owner of the glass is going to be responsible however in the case of a pit the uh, pale owner knows whose uh, pit this is. I mean, there's not that many people. It's uh, some village, right? And, uh, you know, you see, who who, who dug this pit over here? Yeah, someone nearby. Uh, this guy uh, uh, dug the pit. In that case, since the owner of the pail knows whose pit it is, he shouldn't just take his pail and leave a, uh, a, a dangerous situation there. He should go and, and let the owner of the pit know, listen, this is my pail. I'm taking it. Um, and it's going to leave a... Uh, it's going to leave something there, um, and therefore the pale owner, since he the pale owner can identify who dug the pit, uh, the owner of the pail has a responsibility to go and find that person, let them know. Listen, I'm going back another twenty minutes. I'm taking my pail. You better go and cover it. If the pale owner takes it without covering it. 
um, then uh, this is what I might have thought the pale owner is responsible. So Kamash Malan, that's why Ravina had to say that these cases are actually the same. Just like the owner of the glass shard is responsible for putting it there in the first place, um, even, even though they're not the immediate cause, they should have realized that this would happen and someone would uh, the, break down the wall. So too, the owner of the pit is responsible. Um, and, um, and we do not say uh, that the owner of the pail should have went and found the owner of the pit. No, the owner of the pit is um, responsible and should have known that the owner of the pail is going to come. And we don't place the, uh, the um, responsibility for the owner of the pail to go and find the owner of the pit, the owner of the pit is fully responsible. We end off this suga saying, Tenora banan chasidim rishonim hayu masneim keskosotehen uzechu chiyotehem betoch sedotehen umamikin lahem shelochatevachim kedesh lo yakeba macharesham. Since we talked about uh, cases where someone should foresee that something they're doing now will lead to a dangerous situation. And even if they're not directly the immediate cause at the end, they're still responsible. So we go into uh, a teaching about the Hasidim. Sometimes there are things that even if legally they're technically allowed, uh, one is not responsible. Nevertheless, one should go beyond the letter of the law and make sure to prevent any damage from happening. Like we do some defensive driving and defensive living. So there are the pious people, they would um, take their thorns and pieces of glass, their garbage that they had from that, and they would uh, hide it in their own fields. And furthermore, they would put it in, at a depth of at least three hand breaths um, so that they would not obstruct the plow. Uh, in other words, if you put it only on the surface and then the plow comes, the plow will bring it back up and then people may uh, step on it or fall on it and they'll still be dangerous. So they will put it in their own field, not in the public domain, not in someone else's wall. And then we, even within their own field, they put it deep down so that it would definitely not come to harm anybody. Rav Sheshat, he would put his thorns in fire. And that's it, you burn them up. They're not going to harm anyone. Rav would throw them into the Tigris River. Also a very safe place. Avuda says, if someone wants to be a chasid, uh, he should fulfill all the matters of nizikin. He should go through nizikin and see what are not only the direct ways one can damage, but also, the, also all the ways in which one can be negligent um, and uh, uh, avoid any possibility of someone that uh, becoming getting damaged. And so that takes a lot of forethought. You say, you know, will this lead to something that will lead to something uh, that even may might make me responsible? So if you learn the laws of Nizikin, then one can be pious. And this is emphasizing uh, Ben Adam La Havero. Rava says, if you want to be a chassid, learn avot. You learn about morality and ethics and good character traits as virtue ethics. Um, and so that, that's more like the first one is more utilitarian. The uh, second one is more Aristotelian uh, with the virtue ethics. And others say, if you want to be a chassid, learn, learn the Masechet Berachot about prayer, about saying Berachot, about uh, thanks, Thanksgiving, um, focusing on Ben Adam Lamakom. And when someone is Yeresh Shamayim and knows that. Um, uh, Hashem is uh, watching over him and uh, also feels gratitude all the time, then one will oh, be pious and will not come to uh, sin or to be jealous of people or to try to harm people. And so these are three different avenues to reach a level of chasidut. We now come to a new Mishnah, Hamosi et Tibno Harabim Lizvalim. If someone puts straw and hay out in front in, in the street, so that will be can use as fertilizer. In other words, they have the straw and hay, uh, but it needs to be composted, and they want people to step on it. It's helpful to them that animals and people will come and step on it. It makes them softer, and then it can be it's, it's compost, and then it can be used for fertilizer. 
So he's putting it out into the issue Tadabim. If it becomes slippery and someone comes and walks and slips on it and gets injured, the owner of the hay is liable. He put, he's putting the stuff in the middle of the street. Not only is he liable to pay for damages, anyone who wants can come and take that straw and hay um, and just take it for themselves. This is as a penalty, it's a fine, so that people won't do this in general. So in other words, even though a person technically has a right uh, to uh, put their straw and hay out, out, out there so people will um, uh, step on it. Uh, nevertheless, he, he, the risk, he takes the risk by, by doing that. Um, and also, we really don't want people to do that. So you know what? Anyone who wants to come and take it, take it. And then hopefully uh, the owner, owners will not do that anymore. Rashbag seems to be saying the same thing as Tanakama, except instead of using straw and hay, he says any obstacle that someone says uh, that someone places in the public domain. If it causes damage, he has to pay, and anyone who wants can come and take it, right? You decided to put this, uh, whatever, a television set in the middle of the street, and it's, uh, it's cause, it, it can cause damage. Uh, so not only not, not only do you have to pay for damage, but anyone can take it. Uh, it seems that like they're saying the same thing. The Gemara at the end of this stuff will explain that Rashbag says you can even, uh, the people can come and take not only the uh, the amount that it increases in value, but even uh, the, the thing itself. Uh, um, the the principle of what they put in uh, because it increases in value as more people step on it. Tanakama is more limited and says uh, that when people take it, they'll have to pay for the base amount, um, but they can keep the increase in um, in value of it. All right, we'll get to the difference between Tanakama and Rashbag, but right now uh, they seem to be saying something very similar. And finally, how we saw this already on the previous staff. If someone came comes and flips over a dung in the middle of the street. And um, that, so this is not, it's not his, he didn't put it there. Someone else put it there. Or maybe someone's ox, whatever. But this guy turns it over. Uh, and then someone else comes along and gets, is injured by it. The person that turned it over is liable for its damage. If he just leaves it there, it's not his problem. But once he uh, moves it around, um, then he, it becomes his liability. Okay, now let's uh, analyze the first part. It seems like the Mishnah is not dependent on Biyuda. What did he say? The Tanya. Rebuda says that at the during the fertilizing season, right uh, when whenever it is that uh, farmers put uh, um, put fertilizer, uh, so then every, every anyone is allowed to take their fertilizer. Um, if it's talking about zebel, uh, we can assume that's talking about dung or something like that. Um, that he wants to use on his field, but he wants to put it out in the Deshut Abim first uh, to get it ready, and he can um, uh, let it accumulate there uh, for 30 days so that people will step on it. It's good, it's good for him uh, to, for people to step on it, and it makes it better to use. Um, it seems pretty gross for people walking, uh, but I guess the streets were pretty dirty anyway. Um, anyway, that they, the reason why this is permitted is because uh, when Yoshua uh, gave the inheritances of the land to all the tribes, he did it on condition that the public domain can be used for this purpose. Right? We have public domains, and uh, and they can be used. We can use them for parking. We uh, we're allowed to take our garbage and put it on the curb, um, although we have to be you know only certain days and times in a certain way. Um, but this is the uh, the condition of the public domain is that you are allowed to use it for things like that. You can't use it for anything. And so the public domain was given to the people on condition that they are allowed to use it uh, to put fertilizer out in the street so that people will step on it and improve it. And therefore it's permitted. So you see, according to Ibiuda, it is permitted to put fertilizer in the street for people to step on. Presumably, if it's permitted, then the owner is not liable. So this is this is, contradicts the Mishnah that says uh, if someone puts out their fertilizer and someone uh, gets injured, then the owner is liable. Ibiuda said not liable. So it seems like Ibiuda is not the author of the Mishnah. 
And we um, explain not true. Now, feel the tema of Biuda. Well, that Biuda shim hizik meshalem ma she hizik. Maybe it is Biuda. The Biuda here only said that it's permitted. Yes, it's permitted, right? You're not violating any law by putting your uh, fertilizer out in the street. However, um, it, buyer beware, or uh, put, put the person who puts his uh, um, dung out beware um, that he's taking, he's doing it at his own risk. So yes, you're permitted to do that, but just know if someone uh, that is gets damaged, then they you will be responsible, and furthermore, they can even take it. Okay, so maybe Rebuda is saying yes, it's permitted. But nevertheless, you are responsible for uh, if someone gets damaged. Now, v'hatenan, hold on. Rabbi Yehuda Omer ben Elchanuka patur mipnesh hu bereshut. My lab mishum mishum reshut betin. Hold on. We have a baraita, even though it says tenan. That Rabbi Yehuda himself says that regarding Nelchanuka on Chanuka, where you have to put the can the lamp outside. Uh, one's uh, we're talking about a store here. And um, if someone uh, gets is um, uh, if it goes, it gets damaged by it, like if they're you know um, uh, donkey is uh, carrying grain and the grain uh, passes the flame and t- gets on fire, the store owner is not liable because he did it with permission. Um, so what does that mean? Permission that the betin says that you're allowed to put your, your lamp outside in in the in the street. Uh, on Chanukah. So since he does it with permission, he is not liable. So you see, according to the Biyuda, the two go together. If it's if you're doing something with permission, then one is not liable. And therefore, this answer doesn't work, right? The Biyuda said, you're, uh, there's permission to put the fertilizer out. Therefore, is, one is not liable. And in fact, he contradicts the Mishnah. And we explain lo mishum reshut mitzvah the tanya rabbi yudah omer bener chaduka patur mipnes shehu reshut mitzvah. No, it's not just reshut betin as permitted. It's even stronger than that. It's permission because it's a mitzvah. It's not just that uh, you can do it if you want. You actually have to put your Ner uh, Chanukah in front of the store in, in into the street, and so that's what the Buddha says on Chanukah. What the lamp of Chanukah on Chanukah, one is not liable because it's permission granted in order to do a mitzvah, and that's so there's an exception. But otherwise, uh, even the Buddha would say that things that you are allowed to do, like put the fertilizer in the street, still you're liable if it causes damage, and therefore he it, he can be reconciled with the law of the Mishnah. All right, so far so good, but now we're going to have um, uh, 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 a, more, a more significant challenge. Tashema, kol elu shamru mutarin lekalkel bereshut harabim im hiziku chayabin l'shalem v'rebiudah poter. Regarding the items that the rabbi said you're allowed to put in the street, um, like uh, we saw before, opening one's sewage tank or emptying out the uh, uh, the uh, uh, moldy water into the street, one is allowed to do in the rainy season. Um, uh, so one, uh, even though these are going to cause obstacles, so these are allowed to do. Nevertheless, even though you're permitted to do that, if it causes damage, it's at your own risk and you are responsible. In the summer, you're, you're responsible and you're also not allowed to do that. You're also violating a law. In the winter, it's permitted, but, um, uh, 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 it's permitted, but you are responsible. That's Tanakama, but Abiyuda says, no, since it's permitted, you're not responsible. So you see that according to the Buddha, being permitted and not being responsible go together. And therefore, it would be uh, Yehuda in that Baraita, who says that's permitted to put uh, fertilizer out, must also, th- also thinks, think that if one is uh, um, injured, then it, there is no liability. And so now back to the problem, the Buddha cannot be the author, uh, cannot be reconciled with the Mishnah. So we have two answers to this. No, the Mishnah is talking about a time of year that's not fertilizing time. When it's not time for fertilizing, then you're not allowed to put that, the, your stuff out into the, uh, into the public domain. And you're not allowed, and therefore, if someone gets damaged, one is liable. Um, but Rabbi Uda, his his halacha was talking about a time of fertilizing, and that's when it's permitted. And at that time, yes, in fact, it would be, one would not be liable for putting for if someone gets damaged. And so that's how we can explain by uh, that the Mishnah is 
reconcilable with the Biyudah because we're limiting the Mishnah to be only a time where that's not fertilizing time. That's one answer. Rav says, no, we're talking about different types of items. Uh, the Mishnah is talking about straw and hay because those are slippery as they began, as they decompose maybe they get wet, um, so that those become very slippery, and so they're particularly dangerous. And even the Yehuda would agree that you're you you you're liable for putting that out. That's different from the Yehuda's the the Braita, where he was talking about dung. Dung is not as slippery, apparently. Uh, I guess it's more dried out already, and uh, it seems more gross to us than stepping on straw. Um, but anyway, in the reality, back then uh, the the straw was more slippery, and therefore the Yehuda. Is if you put your dung out during uh, during fertilizing season, it's not so slippery, and therefore uh, you're, you're permitted to do that, and you're not liable. Uh, but for straw and hay, that is um, much more slippery, and therefore one is liable. That brings us to the next part of the Mishnah. Kol hakodem bahen zacha. We make a penalty that any if you put out your straw in the front, in the in the front, in the front, in the street. Um, then anyone can come and take it. The question is, how much can you take? Let's say he puts out straw that's worth $10 um, at, when it's raw. At, that's the base amount. Uh, but then as, if you leave it there for a while and everybody steps on it, now it becomes worth $15 because now it can be better used as fertilizer. It's all composted. So when it says people can come and take it, what can they take? Rav says they can take the entire amount, both the base amount and the increase in value. Zidi, however, says no, they're only entitled to the increase in value, not to the base amount, which means that if they go and take this guy's straw, uh, which is worth $15, they have to pay the owner back $10, so they only can keep the increase of the $5. Now, what's the essence of their machloket? Rav says that the rabbis made a penalty of the base amount because of the increase amount. So really, uh, the what the guy, the owner, does not deserve is an increase amount because that he put it out there and then. Um, this is not uh, uh, we, the rabbis don't want him to do that, so they say, "Listen, you're you're going to lose out the increase." While they were making that penalty, they said, "You know what? We really want don't want you to do. It. We're going to throw the book at you if you try to put it out there to get the increase. You're going to lose even the base value." So that makes a total kanas. Whereas Edi says, "No, we don't have to go that far. Uh, the guy he put it out because he wants increase, so he should lose the increase, but the base amount he should keep." That's the mean. That's the reason for them. Now let's. We're going to prove uh, Zidi's point. A challenge to Rav that says that he can that they can take the entire amount. Tenan. Uh, from our very Mishnah, if someone uh, moves um, some dung in the in the middle of the street um, and someone else comes and is injured by it, the person that moved it is liable, uh, either because he moved it um, uh, away and now he, he created a new board, basically, or because he is acquiring it for himself and he says, you know, by moving it here... Uh, flipping it around even, I want it for myself. Okay, whatever the reason is, he is liable. But notice that in that part of the Mishnah, it does not say kol hakodem zacha, right? It's worth looking at the Mishnah here. In the first, in the beginning, it says for the hay that anyone who takes it gets it, uh, gets to keep it. But in, the, in that part of it, uh, it doesn't say, it says chayab benizko, is liable, but it doesn't say anything about the keeping the uh, base amount. So what's the reason that in the Resha, anyone who comes along can keep the hay, but in the Sefa, regarding the dung, anyone who comes along cannot keep it? Uh, apparently, it must be because hay improves, so it's worth $10 now, and then it's going to be worth $15 because of that. Someone can come and take take it because he can benefit from the increase in value, uh, increase in value only, the $5. But dung, which does not increase in value, is not enhanced much and doesn't get that much better. Uh, therefore, one cannot take it uh, because uh, the one, one is only allowed to take the increase in value and not the base amount. So you see that the Mishnah is perfectly reads well according to Zeridi, where for the for you can only take a, the increased amount, not the base amount. For hey, there is an increased amount, so you can take the whole thing, and then you'll you keep the five dollars, and again you'll pay back the owner ten dollars. But for dung, where there is no increased value, 
Um, you cannot take it at all. So this is a challenge to Rav. Rav can answer, No, the Tanah just wrote that clause in the first half, but we assume it applies to the second half as well. You're just, you don't have to say it again and again. Uh, so in fact, both for him and for Dung, the, a, a person, a, a passerby can take the entire amount. Hold on. There's a Braita that we're about to read that says regarding the Dung case, you're not, one who takes it is prohibited from taking it, and that would be stealing if they do, which means you're not, in fact, not allowed to take it. There is a difference between the hay and the dung. The hay, you're allowed to take the dung, says you're not allowed to take. So you can't say that it just said in the beginning, but not at the end. We explained, And you say, no, actually, that phrase that is prohibited because of stealing um, can be actually be on the entire thing, not just uh, the sefa, but even the resha. Now, it's actually not so, we're going to see in a second, um, but we're trying it out. Uh, maybe in all cases, it's prohibited as robbery, but what that means is that if someone else comes and take it from the passerby who took it first, then that would be uh, stealing, which actually just means that one is permitted to take it. So if the owner puts out the hay or dung, um, out into the street. Passerby A is allowed to take it, and then if passerby B takes it from passerby A, the passerby B it would be stealing. Maybe that's what it means, but in fact, yeah, you can take the entire amount um, of all of them, and this is okay for, for coin to that, whether it has an increase of value or not. And we say, no, no, but does not actually say that. Ditnan, again, even though we have Ditnan, it's not a Mishnah, it's a Braita. So the first half is about straw and hay. If someone puts it out in the street, as for to um, uh, at a compost to be used as fertilizer and someone is injured by it, the owner is liable. And furthermore, anyone who comes and takes it, it can, it's his, and it's permitted to do that in terms of robbery. Uh, so there's no prohibition regarding robbery. So this is mutal mishum gezel is the same as saying whoever takes it first is permitted and is not going to be called a robber. And then the second half, uh, contrast that and says, If someone moves dung in the middle of the street and someone else comes and uh, is injured by it, so that person is liable and this is prohibited in terms of robbery. So you see from this Baraita that there's a clear contrast difference between cases of hay and the cases of dung and uh, you cannot apply the phrase anyone who comes and takes it uh, can you can't apply uh, and uh, uh, you can't apply that to the case of dung where it clearly doesn't say that and also you cannot apply asub misum mishum gezel to the whole thing because the first step actually says mutad mishum gezel so it's clear that the permission to take and it's not called stealing um, only applies to the first half and when it says it does not apply uh, stealing does not apply uh, that clearly to- refers to the one uh, per- person who takes it in the first place the first passerby not to someone who takes it from them and asumishum uh, gezel means that one cannot take it um, even in the first place uh, so it's uh, that the the answer that you had before is impossible so now once again we ask about Rav um, why according to Rav uh, does the uh, is dung different um, and why doesn't he say since you're allowed to take even the base amount so why can any passerby take the dung as well why do, does it say that you're not allowed says you're asking about uh, uh, dung you, you can bring a contradiction from that it's completely different we only the rabbis only made a kanas even according to Rav they only made a kanas for something that increases in value as it gets stepped on uh, so if it has an increase then they made a penalty even for the base amount because if you allow the base amount then people will step will put it out anyway and so we want to really stop it. So we say there's a full kanas on everything. But if there's an item that does not increase in value, then they did not make a kanas at all. Not not, not on the increased value because it doesn't increase in value. But then they saw, didn't see a need to give a, make a fine on the base amount either. 
uh, because it's less likely that they're going to put it out. Um, if the done case, they might be just putting out for storage uh, to store it up, but not but not because it increases in value by people stepping on it. And therefore, there's no need to make a kanas because uh, it's not going to increase in value anyway. So people are not as motivated to put it out there. And so therefore, there is in fact no kanas at all on dunk. So this is perfectly un understandable. So again, according to Rav, and the first half talking about hay and straw that increases in value there Rav says people are allowed to come and take it um, uh, and keep not only the increase and even keep but even keep the base value um, but dung which is not increase in value there is no penalty imposed at all and people cannot take it at all no part of it good question according to Rav who says that there's a penalty there on, on the entire amount of the hay let's say stick with hay uh, does the kanas this uh, a fine and permission of anyone to come and take it does it apply immediately when the owner puts it out in the street and it's still worth ten dollars or does the permission to take it only come into effect when it in fact increases in value um, when it goes up to 15? Uh, me, the, the point is that according to Zaidi, who says that you can only take the increase in value, so then you can't take it right away. You have to wait till it increases, and then you could take it and then and then pay back the ten dollars. But according to Rabu says that anyone who takes it can even keep the base value, so maybe they can even come when it's only right away, even though it's only worth ten dollars, and take it right away. Um, is that true, or do you have to wait till it becomes fifteen? Since the, uh, the the you're only allowed to take the base value as a gezera for the increased value, so maybe you have to wait till it increases in value before you could take the whole thing. And so we try to answer it. Tashima midika galal. Well, from the fact that we asked a question above against Rav from the case of dung, it would seem that you could take it right away because dung does not increase in value. And yet we we, we said, oh, according to Rav, it should be permitted to take it. And for dung, it doesn't matter if you take it right away or after time, because it doesn't increase in value. It's always just worth the base amount. And therefore, we can derive that according to, uh, to Rav, uh, one can, in fact, take it immediately, even though right now it's only worth $10. Uh, is that a good answer? We say, no. says, no. That question was only before Rav Nachman answered it. But once Rav Nachman answers it, now there's no need to compare Galal to Hay at all, because Rav Nachman uh, uh, concluded that there is one is not allowed to take the dung at all. There's no permission to take it because the rabbis did not make a uh, make a kanas. Uh, since it doesn't increase in value, there's no kanas even on the base amount. And so one one can't take kanas. One can't take the dung at all. And therefore, you can't bring a proof from the question stage because once it's answered, the question uh, goes away totally, and you can't compare them at all. And therefore, we leave this question open. We next continue to analyze this machloket and we ask, Lema ketana'e? Perhaps the two opinions between uh, of Rav and Zaidi parallel the two opinions in the following baraita between two Tanaim. Shtad shekatu bo ribit, konsin oto veno gobe lo et akedin velo et haribit, dibir erbi meir. Hachamim omerim gobe et akedin aval lo et haribit. Lema Rav damar kerbi meir, uzairi damar kerabanan. If someone writes a loan document and they include an interest payment in the loan document, which is prohibited from the Torah, so we don't want people to do that. So the rabbis come and make a fine and they say, listen, not only can you not uh, 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 collect the interest, you can't even collect the base amount according to the Bimeir, right? We made this loan document. You're charging interest, we tell the lender. You know what? You can't collect the loan at all. That'll teach you a lesson. However, Chachamim say one is still permitted to collect the base amount. That There's no prohibition regarding that. Just the interest. That's the that's where the prohibition is. Um, okay, so it seems that Rav would agree with Rabbi Meir that one takes the entire amount, the base amount, and the increase. Um, once you do something wrong, you lose out even on the base amount, and we make a fine for the whole thing. And Zaidi might agree with Rabbanan that you, the only thing that you can take is the increase, only the interest, but you could take the base amount, and so too with the hay. Uh, some people can come and take the increase, but not the base amount. That seems like an interesting parallel, even though they're from different areas of halakha, the 
uh, logic seems to be similar. But this is a problem because we don't want to lock in uh, uh, one Tana to one Amora. They would just say, oh, I, I agree with it be made. I agree with Rabbanan. Why would they have to say their own thing? And this is more problematic even for Rav because that means that Rav is following a minority opinion and not Chachamim. So we answer, I can be reconciled even according to Rabbanan. When Rabbanan said over here that one can collect the base amount, just not the interest, that's because the interest has this is permitted. You're allowed to lend money and collect the same amount. Um, the the only prohibition is on the interest. So therefore, you can't collect the interest. You can collect the base amount. But here with the hay. Even the original amount, the original thing that you're putting there, is a, a problem because it can cause um, injury, and so you're violating uh, the, the the laws of even by putting the base amount there, and therefore you deserve to lose not only the increase but even the base amount. All right, so the cases are different. says, "I I would agree even with Bimeir that you can collect the whole thing." When it comes to loans, because um, the Bime, uh, I would agree with Bimeir. Why is Bimeir? Why is he so strict? Because at the time of writing the the the, the loan document, he's already making a, making an appraisal of how much he's going to collect. Uh, in other words, right, that there's a prohibition already from the time of writing the document, even before he actually paid any or uh, or the lender collected any interest. He already just by putting it in the document that you're going to have to pay uh, this 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 much more when you pay back. So therefore, you deserve to lose the entire amount because there's a prohibition right there from the beginning. Uh, however, uh, in this case, when he puts the hay out, who says that someone's gonna, it's gonna cause damage? I mean, there's potential for damage, but un uh, until someone causes damage, he didn't do anything bad. All right, if I put something out, that's dangerous. And then uh, an hour later, I bring it back in. No one got hurt. Okay, so that's okay. There's no need to make a fine if uh, there was no actual damage done. Whereas uh, for uh, interest, as a just as a biblical prohibition, you can't even you can't charge interest. You can't even write it in the document that that uh, you have to pay this much. And therefore, it makes sense to be more stringent in the case of loans, um, uh, but not but more lenient in the case of uh, the hay. All right, one more chat, one more question along similar lines. Okay, fine, they can reconcile themselves according to each Tanaim there, but how about this one? Maybe Rav and Zaidi, their argument is parallel to the following two Tanaim. Someone puts out his hay and straw in the middle of the street. To use for composting, and someone gets injured, one the owner has to pay, and anyone who takes it can, and it's prohibited in terms of stealing. Now we're going to have to ask a question. This doesn't make sense. Um, if you said anyone who wants to come and take it, whoever takes it first, first come, first serve. Anyone who wants to come and take it can. Though then, what, what do you mean that it's prohibited because of stealing? If it's stealing, then they can't take it. If they can take it, it shouldn't be stealing. We'll deal with this. Similar to the wording in the Mishnah, it includes everything. Any kind of thing that's dangerous that you put in the Shu Tarabim and someone is injured, one has to pay. So that's good, that's the same. And anyone who wants can come and take it. And there's no problem of robbery. Um, so now we have a, a so he says also um, it's um, it also it's, it, it, you're liable and it's permitted. Now this one makes sense. Anyone can take it. There's no problem of, uh, of uh, robbery. Um, so now we're going to ask. Ha gufa kashya. The question is on Tanakama. First, you said that anyone who wants can take it, and then you said this is a prohibition of stealing. Well, which one is it? Oh, we must interpret it interpreted like this. Um, when it says anyone wants to come and take, that's referring to the uh, the increase in value. But the base amount, that's prohibited because of stealing, and you have to give that, they have to pay that amount back. 
Um, so this works with Zaidi, who says that you only one can only take the increase in value, but not the original amount. And then says I disagree, and I say anyone can take take it, and there's no problem of gezel, meaning you can take the increase amount, you, and there's there's no problem of even taking the base amount, and that would fit Rav. So here we have Zaidi follows Tanakama, and Rav follows Raban Shimon Ben Gamli. Uh, so again, it's a problem for uh, an extra problem for Rav who's following the, the minority opinion. So it says, Fine. For Zidi, it's totally fine. And he's following Rabbanan. So he's good. But according to Rav, are you going to say it's Machokatanaim and he follows only the Shpag? And Rav says, no, in fact, everyone in this Baraita agrees with my opinion that anyone can come and take the base amount and, uh, and the increase in value. We make a kanas from one to the other. And yes, in fact, you can take everything. So that fits perfectly with Rashbag. So what does what does Tanakama mean? Uh, Tanakama was saying that this is a halacha, but you should not teach it in public. Um, that's what they're arguing about. And this fits into the language as, as follows. Right? He says, listen, anyone who takes it can, because Rav says, the, and that's talking about the whole amount, uh, here's the uh, original language. Anyone who wants to take it can. That's referring to the whole amount because technically it's permitted to take. That this is Rav's position, and everybody's in agreement that you can take the whole thing. The thing is that the rabbis did not want to publicize this because then people are going to get used to going and just taking things that aren't theirs. Anything that they see in a public domain, oh, I'll take this, I'll take that. Then they're going to get used to stealing. It was a bad idea. So even though technically it is a fine and we want people not to put their stuff, their dangerous things in public domain, and so we made a fine and said and said that anyone can come and take it, but we don't really want people to go and start stealing all things and all the time, taking things, even though it's not stealing in this case, what the rabbi said, but they're used to that. So we don't really want people to do that. So even though it's a technical halacha, we don't teach it. So when it says Asuri Mishum Gezel, this is what we say in public, even though technically it's not Gezel, um, and one's allowed to take it. So that, that explains the contradiction here. It's, te- it's technically permitted by the fine, but we te- we we uh, discourage people from doing it. It's not really stealing, but it's just discouraged. Um, now, how do we know that this is machloket? In fact, these amoraim argue along the same lines. Rav Huna, the name of Rav, says that although this 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 is a, although this is a halacha that is permitted, um, still you cannot teach it. Um, so uh, that would be that would follow the Tanakama. And Ravadabarava says this is the halacha, and yes, you can teach it. And that would be Rabban Shimon ben Gamliel. We next ask, the, ask a question about these two uh, opinions of Rav Huna and Rav Adabarahava. They seem to be contradicted. Ini v'ha Rav Huna afkar chulshe. Rav Adabarahava afkar selikusta. We have actual cases where Rav Huna, this is the one who said up here uh, that this is a lachava. We don't teach it, but he himself, when he saw some people put dried barley out in the public domain, he said these are onerless. Anyone can come and take it. Which Means he was more. It is halacha and morin ken. That's the opposite of this halacha ve'en morin ken. Ravada barahava, who said over here halacha and you can teach it. He himself did in fact teach it, and he declared onerless some residue of dates that someone put out in public. So that's okay for Ravada. Bishlama Ravada barahava kishmaate. He's consistent. He says yes, you can teach it, and he did in fact teach it. Ela Ravuna lema hadarbe. But Ravuna, what did he change his mind? First he said you can teach it, and then he said then he actually did teach it, or the other way around. And we said, no, Hanhu Muterin Havu. No, these people that put the barley out, they were forewarned. They kept doing this, and we told them, stop, don't do that, put it back, don't put it in the public domain. And they kept doing it. So for that reason, Ravuna made an exception and said, listen, anyone who wants to come and take those uh, those uh, bar- that barley can come and take it. So that was he did it for that particular case where it was necessary. However, in general, he would say, we don't go declare or tell people, yeah, go find some someone who puts in something in public and go take it. We don't want people to go looking for things and taking things um, that aren't theirs. And so we don't teach it usually, but it is a halakha in the books for a good reason, uh, because when we need to 
find someone and stop them from uh, from putting out the dangerous things in public, then we can activate it. Baruch Adonai Le'olam. Amen ve'amen.